Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Raider Nation Radio. Excited to roll today. It's a big day. We had David Irving on in the first hour. Also, former Raiders broadcaster Rich Murata, the founder of the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. Fantastic guest. Adam Joseph, my friend from Opportunity Village, will join us here in a little bit. And we're also expecting to hear from Jason Sobel, who covers golf at a very high level, formerly at ESPN, now with the Action Network, as we wrap up the news of Tiger Woods this week. And that has been the biggest story in sports in quite some time. We'd like to mention a proud new partner, Bell Solo. Bell, uh, Bell Solar, excuse me, and now they're hiring motivated sales professionals. As you know, the solar industry is booming, and the potential is huge for income here. Bell Solar is hands down the best solar company to work for, and they pay the best. And they're rated among the top three electrical contractors in the state. So they're now hiring sales professionals, no experience necessary. You can call Bell Solar at 702-979-1277. That's 702-979-1277. We'd like to thank our new partnership with Bell Solar as we begin this hour here. Again, David Irving came on in the first hour, defensive lineman for the Raiders, formerly of the Cowboys, and he clearly has the type of attitude that the Raider Nation should appreciate. He's just a badass. He's one of these guys who has everything to prove, He's on an ex- 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 a one-year deal, but it's a type of contract that could really be a game-changer because it's got a lot of incentives. So if he plays well, he could make money and then be a long-term Raider. So it's go time with him. He doesn't like the Cowboys. He loves Rod Marinelli, who came from the Cowboys. So this seems like on paper to be a really good fit. And he wants to be a leader. He said all the right things. And the hundreds upon hundreds of Raider players and alumni – that I've interviewed, I know the difference between the Hall of Famers, the legends, the great players who are not in the Hall of Fame but played at a high level, the overachievers, the underachievers, the guys who are one and done. And at times you don't know who they're going to be, and they turn out to be certain types of players. He sounds like a guy who is highly motivated to prove himself and take his career to the next level, but he's going to have to back it up. He's going to have to do it. It comes down to him. But for Gus Bradley to have the confidence to keep him here, Rod Marinelli wanting him here, all of that together along with John Gruden and Mike Mayock makes me believe that this is going to be potentially a special player who can come in and help this team. And look, there are Raider fans I've talked to over the years that were excited initially about Warren Sapp and Richard Seymour than they weren't. Other guys come in. You know, the defensive tackle position – has really been a problem in this organization for a long time. Linebacker and defensive tackle. Just guys who are either out of shape, their best years are behind them, or they've underachieved. The best I saw for two years, he went back-to-back Pro Bowls as a rookie. And when you looked at Daryl Russell when he came in, rest in peace, what a player he was. Russell Maryland, who I got to know, former Cowboy, played for the Raiders, came in and balled out. Great players. And then Al Davis, as you saw in the 30 for 30, with the players that he brought in from other teams, he was able to find players on the defensive side of the ball 
who played above their ability. I talk about this with Matt Millen privately all the time. Matt Millen was a brilliant football player. He just loved being a Raider. He won four Super Bowls, and his favorite team, the best part of his life was the Raiders. And he played with teammates who came in and played above their ability. Phil Villapiano, frequent guest on this show, Foo. Think of the way he played throughout his career. He was a pro bowler. He wasn't a Hall of Famer. A lot of people think he should be. For consideration, Otis Sistrunk, John Matusek. You got the legend Howie Long in the Hall of Fame. The Mad Stork, Ted Hendricks, one of the greatest football players to ever live at any position. So we're not looking for the next Ted Hendricks. We're just looking for someone who can play at a Pro Bowl level. And that's what we're seeing with Max Crosby. Max Crosby is very young in his career, and there's no weakness. I mean, okay, he gets double teamed if he has a game or two where he doesn't get the production that he wants. He's not a whiner. He's not a problem. He's just a guy who wants to be a Raider. Tatted up with Raider tattoos, all in on this, on Instagram and social media. He loves the Raiders. And it sounds like David Irving really wants to prove that he's a Raider. So I was thrilled we were able to talk to him, and hopefully we'll be talking to him more and more often when I get a chance to meet him over at the facility as things are opening up. As the Golden Knight game was postponed with the Sharks, we're starting to see that this is becoming an issue in sports again. So wherever you are with COVID-19, if you had it, if you didn't have it, if you're waiting on the vaccine, if you got the vaccine, it's go time in Vegas. What I've been saying and I've been trying to lead with on this show is Vegas is going to be front and center in the global world of sports. In the next two to three weeks, we have the Golden Knights opening up T-Mobile Arena and allowing fans in. We're going to have NASCAR, and NASCAR is going to let fans in over at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And then we have all these basketball tournaments. I believe deep down, if Vegas can prove that we can run these events safely, and I expect that they will, then they'll increase the number. What we have to do together in this community is keep everybody safe. And when everybody's safe, keep pushing the governor to allow more fans in. You're not going to get to 65,000 at a Raider game or 18,000 at a Golden Knight game unless you get two, 3,000 first. And then you go from a hockey game of 3,000 to 6,000. Then you get to 12,000. And then one day the governor says, go, everybody's gotten vaccinated. It's July. Everybody got their vaccine. Are we all good? Good. Open it up and sell it out again and make people take their temperature and put on a mask coming in and whatever they're going to do. I'll stay in my lane, but whatever they're going to do. We need that to happen. So I think the next two or three weeks here in Las Vegas are very important, not only for this community, but the country and globally, because we can do it better than everybody because we're a tourist town. Our airport has to be the safest. Our casinos and resort properties have to be clean and safe, which they are. And we have to prove to the rest of the world that we can do this so we can get Garth Brooks and the Rolling Stones and all these events in Allegiant Stadium. Get a Canelo fight here and get going again. I've taken COVID-19 very seriously. If you listen to the show and right around now you're seeing on social media this week all the idiots who got it wrong a year ago a little over a year ago, and went on, literally went in front of video cameras and said, you know, less than a 1,000 people are going to die, a couple hundred people. We have it under control. And those individuals are all being highlighted, and they will be highlighted over the next couple weeks because they couldn't have got it wrong. But it's been a year. The year anniversary is coming up here in Vegas in March, uh, March 12th, where the Pac-12 was canceled. And we're coming up on a year. 
We've learned a lot with COVID, with sports, and I think it's go time. And I don't want to go to sporting events that have 2,000 people. I'm out. You can have my tickets. I want sellouts. I don't want 60%, 50%. I want the place to be packed. Until then, I might go with a credential like I was able to do up in Tahoe for the hockey, but I'm not going in as a fan until these places are close to 100% capacity. Thrilled that Jason Sobel is kind enough to join us, one of the biggest voices in golf for the Action Network and PGA Tour Radio. Jason, thanks for coming on, and what a week it was with Tiger Woods. For you, how many ups and downs have you been through since covering the story the moment you got the news? Yeah, it's interesting, JT. I was actually on the air doing uh, the show that I co-host on PGA Tour Radio on SiriusXM with uh, Michael Collins. And we went on the air at 2 p.m. Eastern time, as we do uh, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And so on Tuesday, we, we were on the air, and we were actually talking about Tiger Woods and talking about his appearance on uh, the final round telecast of the Genesis Invitational on Sunday and how he looked and how he sounded and whether we should be optimistic or pessimistic. And we got about 10 minutes into the show and we started seeing all these tweets trickle in and some news trickle in and you know, I, I, I feel like I, I still haven't sort of processed the news because I've been covering it from a professional standpoint. And so I haven't really like uh, let myself sort of humanize it at all, JT. I, I've just been kind of working through the whole thing. And so, uh, you know, really obviously a, a story that we never expected to be covering on that show, obviously, and never expected to be uh, talking about. Yeah, a whirlwind of emotions is probably a good way to put it. Um, you know, at first you're, you're worried that, you know, Tiger Woods might not live through that. You see the, the pictures of the SUV overturned and uh, having rolled over, and you say, oh, my gosh, you know, I, is he alive? And then you hear he's alive, okay. And, and now we're trying to kind of sort out the bits and pieces that we know. But, uh, yeah, obviously very emotional for, for everybody involved, everybody in the game of golf and uh, and certainly everybody wishes Tiger well moving forward. Well, Jason, now you're a member of the media. You're a pro. Is there more to the story? Because it's really tough. I've been covering Tiger's entire career. I'm going on 25 years in the business. I was there for the Monday round when he won the U.S. Open. I saw him at a Masters. You know, I've covered Tiger, his transgressions, his ups and downs, the divorce, the fire hydrant the DUI, and a lot of people want to know more about this, and there still seems to be some confusion amongst your listeners and my listeners on his temperament, the mood he was in with Jim Nance, and you talked about that. Then he's racing to get to an appointment at another golf course, and he was still in Los Angeles. when He, he can't play golf, so he can just be a part of these TV shows and photo shoots. Does it feel mm-hmm. like the story has a little bit more to it that could come out here in the coming weeks? It could. Now, I can't sit here right now, JT, and tell you that, yeah, I thought he looked great on Sunday. You know, I thought he looked like he was ready to go and ready to play. And he looked really healthy because, quite honestly, I didn't think that. And yeah. we were talking about it before we even knew about the accident. That said, can I extrapolate from that? Can I take – what I thought of the way Tiger looked on TV Sunday and say, well, okay, one plus one must equal two, and let's figure that, uh, you know, hey, he didn't look great, and so therefore X and therefore Y and therefore Z. I- I'm not going to take it that far. I'm not going to yeah. speculate. Can there be more that comes out over the coming days and weeks and even months uh, about what happened? 
Yeah, of course there can. Obviously, there's going to be more. We're going to learn more about how and why this happened when they investigate. But I'm not willing to even throw out any rumors or innuendo about what Tiger Woods was doing or what he was going through in the last few days leading up to it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's got to be covered as a story, as an accident, where he was lucky to be alive. But I think the story, as we're talking to Jason Sobel, does a great job with the Accent Network, also Sirius XM. The issue becomes, was Tiger, you know, he he caused an accident where no one got hurt. And an accident that was very violent that could have killed him. And he's mm. to blame for that accident. It wasn't someone else who went off the media and hit him or someone who cut him off. And a lot of people are just wondering, how could Tiger be in a situation like that at this stage in his life at 45 years old when there are 18-year-old boys and girls on that road that morning and 80-year-old people that aren't getting in accidents? And I've been having a tough time dealing with that part of it because I love Tiger. I want to see him win. I've always said he's going to break Jack's record, and I want to see him come back and break Sam Snead's record. But I'm just wondering how something so traumatic can happen in the beginning of a morning for the greatest golfer, the most dominant golfer of all time, I'm still having a difficult time coming to grips with that. Yeah, we've all heard, you know, what that road is like. I have a good friend, one of my college roommates, actually, who grew up uh, just a few miles away from there and said, I got a ticket there back in high school, exactly where he crashed. It's a, it's a little bit of a speed trap. And so we've heard all the mentions of, you know, yeah, you get going down that hill and you go pretty quickly. And, uh, and we've heard... I believe it was the L.A. County Sheriff's Department officer saying, uh, you know, look, sometimes an accident is just an accident. You know, there's no one to necessarily blame. It's not as if someone tried to make this happen. It's not as if someone uh, caused it by doing something, you know, something, uh, you know, terribly wrong, other than maybe going a few miles over the speed limit. And sometimes just an accident. And, again, we're going to find out, I think we're going to find out, all of this, and you know, like I said, coming days and weeks and months, but it's just hard to process all of it right now. And I, and I get it, too, the, the need-it-now sort of sure. mentality of our society right now, JT. And, you know, we're, like I said before, we were on the air when this happened, and I had people calling into the show. I had people tweeting me, texting, and saying, hey, you know, what's the real story? Like, what you, and I, well, like, let's, you know... It, we have to let the story unfold just a little bit. I mean, and, and really, the only one who knows exactly what happened, if he even remembers what happened, is Tiger himself. And I'm pretty sure the Tiger ain't talking anytime soon. So uh, he'll probably be talking to the investigators, but uh, I don't think he's going to be talking to anybody else publicly. So we may not know the, the full answer for a little while now. Jason Sobel's our guest, a great golf insider. One more on this before we look at his career and his legacy and what we need to do to see him back again is, were you surprised that he was even at the Genesis knowing that he didn't need to be there? We all know about his foundation and his tournament and a trophy presentation, but it's a real quick countdown to be at the Masters in five weeks plus and for him to be staying in Islesworth, staying in Jupiter, working on his game, being with his kids. Were you surprised to see him there Sunday where he could always cancel and then to know he was there Sunday night, Monday, and to know he was there Monday overnight? Does that seem a little bizarre for a guy who you would think would just be finishing up rehab in Florida before he tried to get to the to Augusta to play in the Masters? No, I actually looked at that as a positive. I think that if Tiger okay. didn't show up, if Tiger 
didn't meet with the sponsors, didn't go on CBS, didn't do a couple of clinics in the days after. And, you know, he's got all those contracted out and said, okay, I'll knock them out on certain days. Yeah, okay, I'll be in, I'll be in L.A. anyway, so I'll get those done. If he wasn't there for any of that, then I'd kind of be scratching my head going, eh, you know, something's not quite right if Tiger can't make it out to L.A. for his tournament, the one that he hosts. Uh, then something's kind of wrong if he's not there. But the fact that he was there, at least, uh, I think was reason at least for a sliver of optimism moving forward, at least when we saw him that uh, this past weekend on site. So, no, I didn't have a problem with that. Um, you know, I was surmising before it ha- even ha- the accident happened on Tuesday that, hey, maybe it's, you know, he didn't sound very optimistic when he was speaking with Jim Nance, and Nance kind of pressed mm-hmm. him on when he might play again and whether he would play before the Masters and whether, indeed, he would even play the Masters this year. And Tiger was very noncommittal. I was thinking that, hey, you know, Tiger never likes telling us the entire truth about anything, likes kind of leaving us in the in the dark on his injuries until he wants to announce it himself, leaves us in the dark about his schedule. And, hey, maybe this is just a little okey-doke from Tiger, and maybe – he could be back for next week's Arnold Palmer Invitational or back for uh, the Players' Championship in a couple of weeks. Maybe it wasn't nearly as bad as he was kind of painting the picture. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll probably never know that now, exactly uh, what was going through Tiger's mind and when he might have come back. But uh, obviously now um, that's all by the wayside. Jason Sobel's our guest, the Action Network, obviously Sirius XM, PGA Tour, radio so the severity of the injuries, the rods, the, the shattered ankle, the leg injuries, the compound fractures, all of that, it's tough because we're, we're both sports talk radio hosts and we want to hope for the best that he's going to come back and play. Where did you stand with Tiger at the age of 45 before the accident and what are you trying to kind of absorb now and come to grips with with him probably being out of the sport for a year, year and a half to two years and come back and continue the quest to catch Jack or to pass Sam Snead. So before the accident, I was thinking, you know, I, on any given week, especially at a place that he knows really well, such as Augusta National, I think he can return and, yeah, he can contend for a title. It's really hard for a guy who's 45 years old and has had five back surgeries and doesn't play as much as most of the other world-class players to go out there and, not just be healthy and not just find his game, not just make a bunch of birdies, but go out there and beat Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and John Robin. I mean, these guys are great players. And so for me, that was always the biggest hurdle was not just becoming healthy and playing good golf again, but healthy enough and good enough to go beat all of those other really, really solid players. And so now when you look at it, I mean, obviously, again, it's still all speculation. The one thing I will say, and I wrote an article about this on uh, actionnetwork.com that's up there right now. You can find it on my Twitter page as well. But, JT, for the last seven years, since Tiger had his first back surgery, every time he was asked about it, the first thing he brought up was not, hey, I did this so I could win 19 majors someday. It was not, I did this so I could beat all those younger players. I did this so I could prove every, everybody wrong and come back when people said I couldn't. Maybe that was all a little part of it, but the first thing he always said was, I did this so I could live a healthy life and be around my kids and be active with my kids, go kick the soccer ball with them, go on bike rides with them, go for walks with them. I want to be active with my kids. And 
I guarantee that right now, and we don't know a lot about Tiger Woods right now and how he's feeling, where his future lies, but I guarantee you this one thing, that he is thinking a lot more about the future of his life with his kids than the future of his career moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's probably – I mean, he loves his kids. I'd never, get in the, I'd never question a father or a mother with their kids, but laying in a bed and dealing with this type of pain and wanting to be around your kids, if this isn't the moment where your kids and your family means everything and that much more than your quest for all these great accomplishments, it will never change. Jason Sobel, as we wrap it up, you know, Jason, what does this do for the PGA Tour going forward? Because we're both diehards. We play. We love the sport. We'll watch in any way, especially if John Rahm's in a final pairing with Rory and DJ's behind them with Kepka. But still, knowing that you're going into a weekend without Tiger Woods for an awful long time, how do you think it affects the tour in general, ratings, and everyone's passion for the game? A few years ago, I might have said the tour is in a little bit of trouble. Uh, the tour kind of depends on Tiger Woods. He's obviously uh, not just the guy who moves the needle, he is the needle. We've gotten past that, though. And over the last few years, I really have seen, and, and whether part of this, I think, is for people getting into gambling on the PGA Tour and more people uh, doing more DFS and fantasy on the PGA Tour. And so uh, there's less focus on one specific player. But then there's, the, there's also a major part of it. Just these guys are, quite honestly, better than Tiger was over the last few years. I mean, Justin Thomas wins titles on a regular basis. Dustin Johnson has been winning at a very high rate over the last six to eight months. And these guys are really, really good. I think that, yeah, of course the tour misses Tiger. Look, every tournament of the past 25 years has been better with Tiger Woods in the field, especially with Tiger Woods on the leaderboard. So will golf miss him? Of course golf will miss him. Will golf move on? Will golf endure? Will the PGA tour keep having events? and keep rolling in the money as, as they have over the last few years, even when Tiger wasn't healthy and wasn't playing, of course they will. Hey, finally, if you can spend a moment or two telling us about your career, how you broke into the business. You're doing really well. Why this sport? Why this knowledge? What are some of your other interests? What are your goals going forward in media? Oh, boy. Uh, JT, how long do we have? I, I tell every time uh, – a young college kid or someone coming up in the business asks for a little advice. I know you get asked about this stuff all the time. I said, look, there is no one career path. I mean, it, well, I get it. Like, if you want to be a doctor, you know, get good grades in college, then go to med school, then pass your boards, then get an internship. And that's you, you follow a specific path. In this business, there is no path. You have to make your own path. And I, I have absolutely made my own path. I started at ESPN two weeks out of college, worked as a – production assistant, an associate producer, uh, a highlight supervisor. Uh, they wound up having a, an editor position open for, uh, for the golf page on ESPN.com back in 2004. And I somehow got that job. We didn't have a full-time writer back at the time. And so I remember going to my boss saying, hey, can I write something? I'm the editor of a page that doesn't have anybody writing for it. He said, yeah, sure, I don't care. You're not going to break the Internet or anything. And so I started writing. It's all kind of ballooned from there. And I, I guess part of that is you make your own luck, but I think the bigger part is that there's just no one direct path in this business, and I'm sure you know that as well. It's a great story. Keep it up. I appreciate it. This has been the biggest story in sports. 
but hopefully it has a happy ending because you know and I know uh, covering the story all week, the other opposite side of this story could have been brutal and changed all of our lives. So hopefully there's some good news ahead. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, JT, and I agree. Hopefully uh, Tiger can just live somewhat pain-free, live healthy, be able to walk around with his kids, and uh, and anything else besides that is gravy moving forward. So thanks again. Thank you, Jason. Really good story. Wow. Really good broadcaster, and he's hitting it big. He really hit it big going to the Action Network on the story with Tiger Woods all week. And it's been an up-and-down week because I'm a big Tiger fan. I just put out a new podcast with Looney on The Accident. And, you know, what's interesting about podcasts, if you look at the top podcasts, and I'm not talking sports, I mean the top top podcasts, Joe Rogan, Bill Simmons, and then you always find there's a podcast, some mystery. And there's some lady who writes some mystery about something, and someone died in a small town next to a river, and they do an investigative piece on it, and the podcast goes to number one. Everybody's fascinated. So Looney and I last night, we dropped the podcast about this accident. And this wasn't, as I talked about that now with Jason, this isn't your typical accident. We're, we, none of us want to get into an accident. I have two young boys and a wife who drive. I pray every time they get in a car that they'll come home safe. But a typical accident is not what Tiger Woods got into. Tiger Woods caused a massive accident that could have killed him and many people. It's a miracle that someone wasn't coming the other way when he jumped the median, when across the road in what would have been massive packed traffic and didn't kill a couple of people. So it wasn't a fender bender. It wasn't Tiger made a mistake and didn't put his blinker on. Tiger caused a massive wreck. There's more to the story. It, it, a lot of people are like, hey, let's just blow it off. He's healthy. He's great. His kids are all right. We're aware of that. But why do you think they have personal injury attorneys and police officers and sheriffs and highway patrol people? Because this was not your typical accident. This was super violent. He's lucky to be alive. And everybody's praying for him, rightfully so. But there needs to be more of an investigation about his temperament, what type of mood he was when he raced out of that resort. Did he fall asleep? So this morning, I get a text from my buddy, Cleveland Frankie, guy I know here in town very well, and he called me from the side of the accident. And he said he drove, he drove the side of the accident twice. So he came over the hill, he drove past the accident, saw everything slowed down, and then he did a U-turn at a light, and then he went back and did it again. And he called me and he said, I just did this twice, I want to tell you what I saw. And I go, what? He goes, he, he believed... And there's a good friend who I trust that Tiger had to fall asleep. He, can't, he couldn't imagine any other scenario where Tiger Woods could be going that fast, even though there's been accidents on that road, and would hit a patch like that. The weather was perfect. There were no skid marks. So my buddy basically, his objective was to tell me, hey, if you go on the radio, my perspective is Tiger flat out fell asleep. He got up early. He wasn't ready to drive. Something happened. Or he lost control of his phone. Or he was texting and he looked up and there was mass chaos. So this is a really big story. We're lucky that Tiger Woods is still alive. Can you imagine the other side of this story if he passed away and what this week would have been like? This would have been the most horrific week in sports radio since the passing of Kobe Bryant in the helicopter crash. Tiger is still in the hospital with all of these injuries and he's not healthy enough yet to fly home and be with his kids and have this life just yet. It's going to take a while for him to come back and be ready to go. It's going to take a long time for Tiger Woods to come back, and I'm going to be the last guy to count him out. 
and say he can't win again because I was one of the few guys left that thought he would catch Jack Nicklaus. So I don't think he'll catch Jack anymore, but I think he's going to try to come back when he's healed in a couple of years and play again. What a story this week. Coming up next, Opportunity Village, one of the great, great charities in all of Las Vegas, Adam Joseph will join us. They have a picks contest coming up with the NCAA tournament that I would like you all to get involved with and help out Opportunity Village. I mean, if you're in Vegas, you're new to Vegas, Opportunity Village is near the top of the list, if not at the top. And we like to help and we like to do our part. Adam Joseph on deck as we wrap up the week right here on Raider Nation Radio. Could Tiger Woods face charges for reckless driving? Is that part of the investigation? No. A reckless driving charge has a lot of elements into it. This is purely an accident. There'll be a cause of it, and there'll be a vehicle code uh, attached to the cause if it's inattentive driving, whatever the case may be. But that's an infraction, and a reckless driving is actually more than an infraction. That's a misdemeanor crime. It has a lot of elements attached to it, and there's nothing, nothing like that. Tiger Woods doesn't have to worry about anything with that accident. He is getting a, I wouldn't say free pass, but the L.A. Sheriff wants nothing to do more with this investigation. JT, back with you as we wrap it up. Adam Joseph, my good friend, a VP of Philanthropy for Opportunity Village right here in Las Vegas. Kind enough to join us. Adam, good to talk to you as we have another contest. Tell us all about it. Good to have you on. Thanks, JT. Great to be on with everybody. And uh, another day, blue skies and sunshine here in Las Vegas. And we're gearing up for PicksforOV.com, our bracket contest. That's going to kick off right now. It's going on. You can sign up, PicksforOV.com. We're taking signups all the way through 7 o'clock, JT, March 19th, for that first round. You visit PicksforOV.com. You can put in your bracket. You're competing against hundreds of other people, and you got a chance to win some amazing prizes, fitness package, golf lessons, and more, all supporting Opportunity Village right here in Las Vegas. This is great, especially this year. I'm really excited about the tournament because, as you know, it doesn't have the buildup that it did. Last year it was canceled. Now it comes back. I think there's more energy. We see Gonzaga and Baylor right behind him, Michigan. And I think everybody who's looking and starting to look closer at him at college basketball is realizing this bracket is going to be really heavy with just a few favorites, but then a group of 11, 12, 15 teams that are very good and wide open and who could win it if one of the two big boys get knocked off. Yeah, I mean, you've always got those uh, ones at the top that you mentioned, but let's not forget my University of Houston Cougars, JT, that you know are going to be in the hunt and many more. So we're excited here at Opportunity Village. You know, when the calendar flips next week into March, people get that excitement about being involved in a bracket. Why not join PicksForOV.com? Make a difference today. Absolutely. So tell us what's going on with Opportunity Village, the challenges you have. You raise a lot of money. You know a lot of people in town who are very generous. Where are we this year? What are you optimistic about? Yeah, things are really shaping up uh, and turning around, uh, quite frankly, JT, and we're happy that, you know, we're into the new year. We got some energy at our backs. We had a great uh, last fundraising campaign, October, November, December, and it's a community that you mentioned, JT. They want to make a difference. They want to help people that have disabilities 
and getting involved at Opportunity Village is a great place to start. So we're off to the races, had a great January. Things are already picking up into February. And guess what? You flip that calendar, you go into March. People get that sports bug, and that's what it's all about with PicksRoby.com. Adam Joseph joins us. So with individuals with disabilities, tell everybody why you're such a bright sky and you have so much optimism when you go into work every day and see the individuals that you interact with. What's a typical day like for you? Yeah, we hit the ground running early at OV. Clients that we serve come in around 7 o'clock. It's this amazing team, JT, that wants to make a profession out of helping people that have disabilities. So, you know, the team and the commitment here at OV and the resources that we have to help adults that have intellectual and developmental disabilities. And as you know, JT, we do it not only at the campus-based level, but we have individuals that have disabilities that are employed in over 60 businesses in Southern Nevada, and that's what it's all about. It takes a community effort to help people. And for those who help hire these individuals and the people that you know are so passionate about life and want an opportunity to work and want to be around more people, what is that process like? Some of the business owners who are listening now who want to get involved, how can they do it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we uh, applaud and encourage if you are running a local business and you have an interest in employing someone with a disability, please reach out to us. The best way to do that is uh, uh, go to our website, opportunityvillage.org. All the information is there. We'll get right back in contact with you. And we can make sure that the right individual that we're serving can go into your business. They can make a difference. And what we call it, JT, is the three Ps pride, purpose, and a paycheck. If you're making a commitment to employ a person with disability, you're giving them those three Ps, pride, purpose, and a paycheck. It's very important, and I've seen it. I've seen it with you. I see the work you do in this town. Adam Joseph joins us, kind enough to join us as we talk about picks for OV. Some of the sports teams in this town, the owners, the executives, the athletes that you've been involved with recently, talk about their passions once they see Opportunity Village and how they continue to want to help. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's been an amazing, you and I both watched this, and so have all the listeners, how the influx of professional sports is playing part of our community. And just to name a few, I mean, the Raiders, as you know, are a huge supporter of Opportunity Village and many other leading charities. And don't forget the VGK, Aviators, the LV Aces, and all the way down the line, you're seeing now how professional sports is making a difference in the place that we all call home. So we're proud of our relationships. We're all sports-minded here at OV, and when you get sports and OV and the mission together, you could do incredible things. You're always working hard at Opportunity Village. We've been friends a long time, but you're working smarter. And through the pandemic as a leader in this community, what have you learned as a businessman, a leader, a chief guy in town who understands philanthropy? When the going gets tough, how have you been able to keep the train on its tracks? Yeah, uh, you know, you, you list a really great point. I'm really proud of what we've done from a leadership standpoint here. You know, JT, I'm happy to share with you and the listeners. All the way through COVID, this organization didn't do a single layoff. We did not do a single furlough. We kept this organization and we kept this team whole. And now as we've transitioned from we're going to get through this to where we are getting through this, that culture and that backbone at Opportunity Village is as strong as today than it's ever been. So we're just really proud of the teamwork and what we're doing and our community partners that want to make a difference. Yeah, you're really on the front line of this at a government level, at a work level, on the ground, understanding what's happening here. Uh, We've been talking about this throughout the entire pandemic. And again, I'm not here to predict anything. I never predicted lives lost, unemployment, when casinos were opening up. But you're in that business where you have to take a look at this. You have to look at numbers. You talk to a lot of people. So as we're wrapping up February going into March, you're optimistic that the city's going to be opening up a bit more, and that in turn will help Opportunity Village. 
Yeah, that's right. In fact, you know, I'm happy to share. Uh, we've had uh, been doing vaccines at our campus base level, uh, making sure mm-hmm. the people that are both frontline with our staff and the clients that we're serving. And we have vaccinated over 300 individuals at Opportunity Village. So we are as optimistic today uh, as we've ever been. And yes, to answer your question, JT, uh, things are clearly already getting better. And as long as we're staying safe, making sure we're doing our job, we know we're coming out of this. Tell everybody how they can get into the contest again. I have a lot of passionate listeners who want to win, and then they want to donate their time and donate money. Picks for OV, when you do this for college football, when you do it for the NFL, you have a lot of celebrities in town, a lot of locals that want to get involved. Uh, Shoot us out again on how to get involved with Picks for OV. That's right. Just visit picksforov.com today. It's $50 for one entry, 95 for two. Your donation goes right back into the programs and services at OV. And if you're going to do a bracket contest, why don't you do a bracket contest where it makes a difference? And, oh, by yes. the way, you're going to be competing for packages, prizes, and many more. And don't forget to push that out on social media, picksforov.com today. See you soon, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Be good. All right, Adam Joseph, you made a great point at the end. If you're going to be in a bracket contest, do it with Opportunity Village. Be in that contest so you know that your donation is going to a great cause. Uh, people get amazed. I've never placed a bet in my life. Never placed a bet in my life. But from time to time, I bend the rule because I'll just make a donation and I'll go into a bracket contest. And, you know, once you start saying this, I, I have a lot of my friends who are professional gamblers, handicappers. They love that. And from time to time, I tell them often, get into a contest where you know you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Make sure it's tied to a good cause and something like Picks for OV at Opportunity Village. You feel better when you're helping out. Adam's been a friend of mine for a number of years, and I watch what he does. I watch what he does all the time. I see the hours he works and how he's trying to connect people in this town. Opportunity Village, if you've been there once on their campus or you've been to any of their events here in town and their fundraisers, I mean, they're second to none. This is super elite when it comes to helping out those with disabilities. We appreciate him coming on. So as I get on a plane here in about an hour and a half, I used to be stressed out right now if I was an hour and a half gate to gate, but there's not a lot of traffic like it was a couple of years ago. This was a very interesting week. It was a very quiet week on the Raider front. And as I said, for 20-plus years covering the Raiders, I keep all of my notes and I keep all my planners, and I look back. At this month, and at times it could be slow. Coaches go on vacations. Other executives take breaks. This is a time where people take a little time off, and then you don't get much time off in professional football. There is no off season for the team. There's a small window for the coaches to go away with their families, get some downtime, and then come back and get ready for free agency, get ready for the draft. And then after they draft the players and after they bring in new players through free agency – They literally don't get a break. They don't get a break. It's a year-round business. So we hear this week we talked about Marcus Mariota. We had David Irving on today. I want to thank Vic Tafer for writing that column at The Athletic that got me excited to call the Raiders and get him on the radio. And Irving was fantastic. And then today, this Russell Wilson story that he has chosen the Raiders as one of the four teams that he would be interested in with the trade. And I don't think the Raiders are going to get J.J. Watt. I don't think they're going to get Russell Wilson. I don't think they're going to get Deshaun Watson. But if they do, we'll cover the story and we'll talk about how it came about. But I'm a believer in Derek Carr. This will be his fourth year in the offense with Gruden. He had a great year last year. 
right on the verge of being elite, right on the outside of the list of elite quarterbacks. Does Carr deserve another year at home in front of fans to prove his worth here long term? I think so. Others who don't, we, we can agree to disagree. But there'll be more on this quarterback carousel when I come back on Monday on Raider Nation Radio. They had a few few more off the bounce, you know, that we anticipated. We wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we try to do the best we can to take away their, their driving kick game and their catch and shoot threes, um, you know, but just wasn't enough. That's Frank Vogel, head coach of the Lakers. JT, back with you. They got boat raced last night. On my national show at night, we put up a question, when would LeBron get pulled from the game? And he got pulled at the end of the third. He didn't even play at the end. The Lakers are in big trouble without Anthony Davis, who misses roughly 20% of his games throughout his career. So this is now more than a trend. The Lakers have a massive problem on their hand. They went all in with Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis really doesn't stay healthy. So the Lakers can't win without Anthony Davis. No chance. No chance against Utah. With Anthony Davis healthy, they're better than Utah. So the Lakers' whole season comes down to this Achilles and what happens with Anthony Davis, a complete heel with him coming back and making sure he doesn't get re-injured when he comes back. Laker fans have a lot to be nervous about with the health of Anthony Davis. Papa Meach, thanks for holding. You're up next on 920. What's happening? Hey, JT. I just wanted to wish you much success. As I know I can tell you're excited in your voice about jumping on that plane and, and seeing him uh, and going off to college and picking some colleges. And once my son... Pick, you're, you're in for a lot of adventures, my friend, because once my son picked his college, we would go out there and help him, you know, set up his room, and we had to fly. So, you know, you had to go to the nearest Walmart and buy sheets and lamps and all sorts of stuff for the room. So you're knocking down four or 500 bucks, and he played football for the small college, so you get to fly out and watch him play football, and then the graduation. So I just was thinking about you when, when you were telling us about uh, your adventure coming up and wanted to wish you and your family all the best because you're going to love all the adventures uh, when your son is in college. And, and a big hug to you. I think, think you're going to have a great time, and congratulations. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. This is my second son. My oldest son's at Oklahoma, so we went through this process a couple of years ago, and he's flourishing and loves it there. And I'm just disappointed that we can't go visit him enough due to COVID concerns. But my wife and I are going in April for a weekend, a parents' weekend at Oklahoma, which we love going there. We love it there. We have so much fun. And then wherever my other son decides on going, he's got some really good options too. And you know me. I like to exaggerate. I like to make it a lot about me from time to time. I've always dreamed of this because I had such a great experience in college and my fraternity and the friends that I made. And I'd like my sons to have something similar, even though they're going to go find it and do it on their own. But as a dad, uh, this is my window right now. The next four years or five years with my son, there'll be Fridays off. There'll be weekends going to their campus. There'll be, you know, parties and games and college football games and all that. I worked my ass off my entire life to get to this moment where I got some cool jobs that'll give me some time off from time to time and go hang out with my sons and go have fun with them. That's what it's about. And I'm really excited about this chapter 
that I'm living in now, and I just hope everybody with kids who are younger in high school or kids, uh, parents that have kids in college now that these kids at least get a couple of years of normality and get back to the way it used to be post-pandemic where there are no masks and everybody's going to games and having fun and games are sold out. You're, do you remember what tailgate parties were? I mean, that's my DNA. It's a tailgate party. Red Solo Cup, drinking a Modelo, kicking back, going into a game with my friends and my kids. And I yearn for that again, especially here in Vegas with the lifestyle that we all have out here potentially. That's why the next couple of weeks and months are really important here. Really important. And we're going to cover that story as the part of the journey we go on together here on Raider Nation Radio. The journey of getting Allegiant Stadium opening again. Uh, to get fans to start to go to games again, tailgate parties, parties with Raider fans, thousands of them, not hundreds of them. But I don't know when that's going to happen. And until then, keep tuning in here, and we'll give you everything we have every week. Where Bobby puts the show together and had another epic week. Thanks to our guests, Jason Sobel, David Irving, Adam Joseph, Rich Murata. Wow, good guys today with great stories. I hope you enjoyed it. You miss any portion of the show. You can find it at lvsportsnetwork.com. And just keep sharing that Raiders app. Download the app and listen to us live. It's really the best radio station I ever worked for, ever. Locally, it's on the Raiders app and thrilled to be a part of it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good day, you guys.